Hello and welcome to the Pastor's Bookshelf on the One Prez Pod. During this season of Lent, my good friend Rebecca Martin and I will be looking at various books that I have been reading over the course of this season. A book a week. Please join us. Hey everybody, welcome back to this week's edition of the Pastor's Bookshelf. It's me, Phil Blackburn. And Rebecca Martin. We're back, Rebecca, after Holy Week. We are. It was a very busy week. But it a great was a busy but great week. We hope all of you had a great Easter. Uh, so we're back today with a new book. What is the name of this book? This book is called If God is Love, Don't Be a Jerk by John <laughs> Pavlovitz, Rebecca. It's quite a title. It is quite a title. Uh, so Pavlovitz is a former United Methodist pastor. He's very big in what I would call the progressive Christian world. Um, and so this book definitely has that flavor. Uh, it's very kind of zeitgeisty at the moment. Um, so lots of people are kind of following him, talking about him. Um, so we read it. So we can talk about that today uh, and see kind of where we land on John Pavlovitz. <laughs> okay. uh, I'm maybe not as into him as some of our uh, some of our friends as 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 they had articulated to me. But anyway, we'll see. We'll see where we land. Okay. So what was his main purpose or statement? What is he saying? Why did he write this book? Why did he write this book? It's a good question. So Pavlovitz wrote this book um, because he feels like most, I, w- I would use the word most, American Christians are a little jerky to a lot jerky. He, he has a bone to pick particularly with what I will call conservative evangelical American Christianity. So, um, well, and I, I can't say I disagree with just there's a lot of jerky people out there. There's a lot Christians, of non Christians, it doesn't yeah. matter. There's a lot of jerky people. There's a lot You're of jerky people, <laughs> right? And um, wherever you look for them, but I mean, I feel like there's going to be a lot of people listening that relate to that, mm-hmm. that feel that same thing, mm-hmm. that have been, you know, alienated by the very stark conservative evangelical Christians and Mm -hmm. therefore labeled the whole Christianity in that same boat. So I feel like there's probably a lot of people that he does relate to. He does. And so, yeah, you and I both know people who grew up in very conservative churches, felt alienated from those churches, and because they were alienated from those churches, are alienated from Christianity in general. Yes. Varying degrees of damage was done to those folks uh, when they were younger. Um, Family dynamics uh, were were made more complicated because of those things. Um, so that's kind of who he's talking to. Do you still want to have some Christianity, but do you want to go to the complete other end of the political spectrum? Right. That's kind of what he's crafting in this book. So he believes the best statement about who God is is that God is love. He has good scriptural arguments to make for this uh, because it literally says God God is is love. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, so that's where he's starting from. And so much of the book is him kind of criticizing uh, religion in general in America, uh, but particularly evangelical Christianity, conservative Christianity. Um, And then also then coming back to the far other side politically, and looking at what I would say are kind of boilerplate progressive political issues and then affirming those through Christian language okay. and Christian belief. Uh, so he's so as a progressive Christian, he's not just looking at things theologically. He's also very much looking at them 
politically. politically. So that's the first thing, right? So like if you're triggered by um, kind of very uh, big culture war type issues, Pavlovitz is going to go knee deep into those. This might not be the book for it, you. Yeah. If that's something that gets you riled up from either end, I would say be cautious right. as you open <laughs> open up the book because he spends a fair amount of time right. on some of those issues. Uh, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that have mm-hmm. those questions or want mm-hmm. want to hear that perspective. Mm-hmm. So I could see how this could be a certain audience, but mm-hmm. do really well in certain yeah. audiences, and then yeah, because he's able he's not. able to wrap yeah he's <laughs> able to wrap those pretty well in some Christian language. Yes, um, and so so yeah so like just take like abortion right like so he's going to come down on a pretty different side on abortion than a conservative evangelical Christian is, but he's still going to use Christian language for it. Right. So that's where that's where Pavlovitz is kind of overall coming from. He's going to take that take Christianity. He's going to give it back to you in the form of a much more progressive political uh, movement. I saw in your notes in the slides from mm-hmm. Sunday school that he talks about a big God and a small religion. Mm-hmm. And how spirituality should always be unfolding. Yes. Changing. What what were there? It was a slide, so obviously mm-hmm. it was something that stuck out. What are some main points about that that, that could be mm-hmm. something that could be applied? Mm-hmm. Just kind of in a general overall, like, like what is he what is he saying there, good or bad, whether agreed or not agreed with? Like, mm-hmm. what is he saying? Was that a big point in the book? Was that something that was one? Of, so this is a weakness, and and so like I said, I didn't love this book, okay. um, even though I'm sympathetic to some of his views. Yes, uh, the for Pavlovitz, um, he really a couple of our older books will help with this conversation. So he really is pretty much finished with the church. However much you, however you want to say that, he feels like the church has failed, mm-hmm. um, and not just the conservative church. He's pretty much done with the church. Obviously, somebody who's an active pastor, this is not going to sit well with me. Right. Um, and so it has a very, from my perspective, throwing out the baby with the bathwater feel to it. Um, he he feels like religion is detrimental to uh, to to faith. Okay. So it's important that we distinguish between these two things. Religion and faith are not the same thing. Just because you're religious does not mean you're faithful. Just because you're faithful does not make you religious. Right. Religion is the structure that we human beings have created around our spirituality. Mm-hmm. Religion is the buildings and the board of elders and the liturgy and the rules by which we govern our congregations. Uh, religion is doctrine. Religion is dogma. Um, these are all constructs that we have made in order to articulate our faith as communities, for better and for worse. Because once we come together as more than one person, we have to organize ourselves in some way. Yes. And the way we do that, or there's chaos, (laughs) uh, the way we do that is through religion. Right. So he has a legitimate point. But the other problem is if you throw it out completely, what you get is just kind of spiritual... um, individualism for lack of a better phrase like you're just you're not in any way with other people you're just like well Rebecca you sit there and believe what you believe and I'll sit here and believe what I believe and maybe we'll find some things we agree on but if we disagree whatever but we're we're both we're together as individuals we're not together as a community 
right? Right. In order to be in any sort of community, what do you have to do? You fellowship. You have to fellowship, and you also have to compromise. Yeah. Right? You're married. Yes, I am. Does Stephen do everything you tell him to do? <laughs> no. <laughs> do you do everything no. Stephen tells you to do? In order for yeah. you to exist in community, just the two of you, yeah. you have to create fundamentally a religion for your marriage, right? These are the rules by which we live within our marriage. This is the structure we have for our marriage. Right. This is how we make decisions about yeah. our money. Yeah, well, and that being said, right. it's because we don't sit around and tell each other to do things because right. that's not how our marriage runs. Right. You can't be married <laughs> yeah. and say, well, I wanted to buy that $500 pink yard ornament, right. and so I bought it. And you have no say over whether or not I bought it. No, it's about compromise. You have to. Yeah. You, and you being can't. <laughs> right. You can't do that. No. So while I agree with Pavlovitz's basic critique that religion can get in the way, or we should never have faith in our religion, right? right? You don't substitute the religion for God. That I agree with. Yeah. But you don't then solve the problem by getting rid of religion because when you get rid of religion, what you get rid of is community. Right. You have to organize yourselves somehow. If you're going to have a group of people who get together and call themselves, we will use a church since we're Christians, you get together and you have a church, that church is going to have to make decisions as a community about where they worship, how they spend their resources, what they prioritize in their theology and in their practices. They have to make decisions. And those decisions are difficult and they're muddy and they're complicated and everybody loses but that's the only way for community to be actually embodied is through those things. Even the disciples had a treasurer. Right. Now, he was the one who betrayed Jesus, but we won't get too far into that. But, like, even <laughs> yeah. the disciples had a treasurer. There has to be organization. Right. And they fought with each other about who would be the greatest, right? So even around Jesus, religion formed. Mm-hmm. Some of it good, some of it bad, but religion formed. And Jesus intended to do that because he intentionally created community. He didn't just go solo. Right. And he was the son of God, could have done it by himself, but instead he formed community immediately. Right. So Pavlovitz is, this is one of my biggest critiques of him. He he talks about community, but he doesn't ever give a structure to it. And in fact, he le- he was a pastor, so he left. He had it, he left. So then what do you have if... if what are you going to replace that with? Right. And nothing is is really the answer. Yeah. So to me, I'm willing to trade the compromises that I have to make or the dissatisfactions I have to make for religion in order to be in this with other people. So so that's a big area of conflict for us. I see. I, I Yeah, I can see that side of that. So that's a lot of the issues and, the, you know, the mm-hmm. problems with some of this. Mm-hmm. Was there anything that you agreed with? Sure. Yeah. So Pavlovitz, um, you know, I thought even back to that first thing you brought up, if we remember our first book, The Pilgrim's Compass, Mm -hmm. right? Like that was about the life of faith as a pilgrimage. And I very much agree with that. I think he views it. He doesn't want people to get stuck or settled. He thinks being stuck and settled are antithetical to faith. I agree with that in a lot of ways. I think you should be constantly growing, constantly moving forward, and you should be part of a religious structure or organization that encourages that. I don't think that you want to be part of a church that's going to discourage growth. Yes. That's important. So, um, well, but there are, I mean, sadly, there are churches out there that that don't promote constant education and learning and, Mm -hmm. and, 
kind of growing in all mm-hmm. your faith and what you know and theology. And yeah. that is that is sadly very common. Yeah. And so don't go to those churches. <laughs> Yeah. Right. So if, if you're in a church and you feel stuck, mm-hmm. it, it may be time to ask some questions. I think it's best to try to work within the church that you've already got relationships with. If it just can't happen, it's best to move on. If you've been harmed by the church, mm-hmm. uh, but you still want to maintain a Christian faith, then you, it's. I think it's important to find a new community. Yeah. Sooner or later, you got to find a new community. Right. Because there are churches. There are that... churches that are not gonna. They are gonna help you heal. Yes. Um. You know, if you're just done with it, that's a different conversation. But then why are you reading Pavlovitz? Right. Exactly. <laughs> because he's Christian. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so I think his his language about, about growth is really good. He had some good language about prayer. Um, I am not a, a name it and claim it sort of prayer person where it's like, if I just have enough faith, God will do this for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the language he uses is treating Jesus as like a divine Santa Claus. I, I think that's a good image of how to get prayer wrong. Yes. Um, I think that's only going to leave you disappointed. Um, you know, and he talks about prayer being communal. And I agree with that very much. Like the the idea that we pray for each other because we're in a, we're in a communal relationship. So um, I think that's a really good way to think about prayer. Yeah. Um, so I, I liked that as well. So yeah, there were there were several things that I found myself uh, liking and agreeing with him on as he kind of moved his way through. Um, but there is one thing that I think we need to talk about as well before we finish our Pavlovitz conversation. I think it's important. And it, again, you've you've kind of brushed up against it, um, and I think uh, intuited what the problem is, and it's sin, mm-hmm. right? So Pavlovitz, because of his reaction to conservative Christianity. He doesn't want to have any judgmental language, right? He doesn't want to say anything to somebody that's going to make them feel condemned or convicted. And and I, I understand that instinct for sure. You know, we're Presbyterians, so mm-hmm. sin's a big thing for us. Right. Um, I'm of the belief that when you talk about sin, you need to talk about it always collectively. I, I'm not a big believer that you need to be. I think it's bad when you're elevating one. One sin, sin versus the other. Or one mm-hmm. sinner. Yes. Um, because that creates a false sense of righteousness and everything. But on the other hand, if you just throw sin away, that's how you end up hating the church. Right. <laughs> because you're like, well, the church doesn't work. The church is broken. The church uh, is full of this problem and this problem and this problem. Those are all true. But those aren't the fault of the church. Those are because the church is composed of sinful people. Every church, just like every business, just like Every political party, every person you encounter, every person you encounter makes decisions that are selfish. Every person you encounter makes decisions uh, that are based sometimes on deceit. Every person makes decisions that sometimes just are the easiest for them. These are things we call sin. Mm-hmm. Like one of the failures of conservative American Christianity is they have narrowed the sin spectrum down so far that they have elevated some and let people off scot-free from kind of interrogating their own behaviors because they don't check these couple of boxes. Right. That's not helpful. No. That's not good, and Pavlovitz hates that. But, again, you don't throw it all away. Um, and so you have to, as, as uncomfortable as that can be, especially if you were traumatized in a conservative church to talk about sin or think about sin, I would simply say you just 
you just need to think about it a little differently. Right. Have a different language for you it. Have a different language for it and a different perspective on it. Because well, if we're if there's we're gonna... so many people that have been so hurt. Yes. And so just damaged mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. not even the church as a whole, mm-hmm. but just specific people in the church mm-hmm. or a specific building of mm-hmm. the church or you know, unfortunately people do lump it all together. Yes. And if you have one really bad experience mm-hmm. You're going to throw the whole, the whole thing in together. And that doesn't necessarily mean that there's not denominations Mm -hmm. or churches Mm -hmm. or I've, I've always said, I, I love that there's so many different denominations and things because people, it does reach people at different places. Mm I, I'm a different denomination than my family and I've, don't think there's anything wrong with that. They Mm -hmm. feel comfortable worshiping Mm -hmm. one way and they feel that's Mm -hmm. their church. I feel this is mine. I feel it's different. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I think mm-hmm. there, it's good that there's so many different denominations and avenues because it can reach so many different people. Mm-hmm. The problem is when you have all those people and all those churches and all those buildings, there are more chances for things to go wrong yep. and for people to mm-hmm. get in the way and mm-hmm. do damage mm-hmm. to an individual or something. Yes. And then, of course, that yeah. progressively will egg on and spur on mm-hmm. all, you know, mm-hmm. the community of people mm-hmm. that have been damaged and hurt by the church. Mm-hmm. And well, that just means Christians are mm-hmm. bad. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's... Yeah. And it's part of it's based on our expectations. And this gets back to Pavlovitz's title. Like you're Christians, like you believe God is love. Right. So why are you behaving this way? Yeah. Like we don't get terribly surprised when a politician behaves selfishly or sinfully. Right. right? Absolutely. But we do when the church does. And I get that. You should be. You should. You should walk into a church and you should expect more. Right. But you shouldn't expect perfection. No. And you should understand that it's a system. Mm-hmm. And because it's a system, that means it was created by people and it's populated by people. And therefore, it's going to have some problems. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, you know, go to, to go back to the marriage example, every single one of us knows someone who was badly treated in a marriage. Yes. Every single one of us mm-hmm. knows somebody. You don't argue then to get rid of marriage or coupling, right? Yeah. You don't say, well, you know what? I'm not going to have a partner. I'm not going to have a spouse. I'm not going to have a partner. I'm not going to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend because that's a broken system. So I'm just going to do what I want to do romantically right. as long as I want to do mm-hmm. it. And then I'm going to do something like, you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So then you miss out on a beautiful marriage that you could have. That you could have. But Same it's, thing with it's the gonna, Right. Like, mm-hmm. that's the thing. Like. The thing I would say is you, you don't get rid of those things. You, you do your best to find one with a system in which you can thrive mm-hmm. to the best of your ability and help other people thrive. Right. And that, that to me is the thing, but you have to understand human sin. It's a, it, like in our modern world, we give a lot of different languages to human sin. A lot of times we call it mental illness or dysfunction um, or a lack of wellness, those sorts of things. Stress, anxiety, fear, those are all the way we react in those th- situations are often born out of our sinfulness, our separation from God, from my perspective. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you, you got to keep that stuff around, I think. And Pavlovitz just doesn't want to do it. <coughs> and again... I agree with the fundamental critique. I don't agree with where he landed. Uh, it sounds like there could be some kind of more of a medium. Of... Yeah. If Listen, if you don't want to be Christian, fine. Right. Then you can throw the church away and get rid of it. Yeah. You don't need it. But if you're searching. But if you're searching within the Christian framework, the only way to do it, per Jesus, is within the church. Right. A church. 
Luckily, we live in a world now, as you said. There's I a think ton. There's a ton of choices. <laughs> ton this of is choices. not medieval Europe, yeah. where your only option is the Roman Catholic Church. Oh, yeah. Find one that fits find you. Find one that fits you. Find a community that fits you. It may be very small, maybe a bunch of old people, mm-hmm. maybe whatever, uh, maybe 20 people in worship. But if it fits you um, and it, it makes you helps you on that pilgrimage, helps you on that journey, helps you grow. You feel safe. You feel like you can ask questions. That you church, feel loved. You feel loved. That church exists. It exists. If you're in Fort Smith, there are numerous options for you right. uh, to find a church that, that's like that. And so that's my thing. You don't, no matter how bad things get, I just don't think you throw the baby out with the bathwater. It, it, it just is what it is. Like, this is the fallen world we live in, Rebecca. <laughs> yeah. And, and that and makes have sense. I, yeah. And I do think, I mean, it, it it does say numerous times through the Bible and stuff how important community is yeah. in different language yeah. and different things. I mean, yeah. that is pointed to over and over again. Yeah. And there is something to that, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. you having your own faith, but also. Mm-hmm. You do it together. Do it together. Yeah. Listen, any anybody that needs to be heartened. Mm-hmm. Should just go give First Corinthians a careful reading. That church was a disaster. Right. I mean, that church was started by Paul, and it was a complete disaster. Everybody's heard the love passage from First Corinthians thirteen that's read at every wedding. That's not about marriage. He wrote that to that church in the same way that, in the same spirit that Pavlovitz was writing to us. If God is love, stop being jerks to each other. Yeah. He wrote that for that reason. Uh, but he did it still within the confines of the church for the purpose of preserving the congregation. Right. That's where they differ. Um, so, yeah, th- listen, if you think the church is messed up, you're on solid ground. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. you will get no arguments from me. Yeah. Uh, it's just how you how you work that out then going forward. Absolutely. So, anyway. All right. Well... People will either love or hate this book or, or fall somewhere in the middle. Or love or hate our podcast this week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what do we have? We have, we were going to do two this week, but mm-hmm. unfortunately you were sick. Mm-hmm. So we're doing we'll just have, this one and we'll have one more next that's week. That's right. We will have, um, uh, it's, it's a book about fear. The title just left my head. Okay. Um, yeah, we were just looking yeah, at it. Yeah, we just looked at it. Anyway, it's, it's the work of religion in the age of fear, I think is the title um, or something thereabouts, but it was written in 2015, and it is uh, an ecumenical book. So it's not okay. going to talk just about Christianity. It's going to talk about Islam, Judaism, right. Buddhism, um, and the ways the world religions deal with fear um, in such an anxious age. And it, like I said, it was written in 2015, so it's not like the fear has been turned down right. since then. <laughs> Uh, as we all try to remember what we taught, what we were learned uh, in the 80s about how to hide from a nuclear attack. Right. So anyway. Oh, well, that sounds interesting. Yeah. So, so that'll be. hopefully see you or hear, you will hear us next week. Yep. <laughs> Tune in. Thanks, everybody. Till next time. Peace. Bye. Thanks for listening to the One Prez Pod. If you like this pod, please review and rate it wherever you get your podcasts and stick around for more content from First Presbyterian Church each and every week. Until next time, peace.